All right, today we got uh, Sam Parr from uh, The Hustle and HubSpot, and we're talking about books today. I know he looks like he can't read, <laughs> but believe me, he, he can read at a, at a third grade level. <laughs> yeah. How many but, books do you read a month? How many books do I read a month? I, I used to read probably several, four, maybe four books a month. Now I probably read like one book a month. Yeah, yeah. I do. Do you count Audible as reading? Yeah, yeah. Then I do on a low month one on a normal month three on a like lately i'm on a tear because i'm reading short things that i can like read in two days i'll do like eight yeah i mean books were invented way back in the day when like this is what you had to do for the next like two months now you get tweets and youtube videos however but like i could read this and you know this is 200 pages you could do that in a day are uh, you gonna understand all the big words are you uh yeah you could do that in uh like two hours Two two hour bedtime to bedtimes. Yeah. Well, these kinds of books. Do you read before bed? Yeah. Yeah. I won't read a business book before bed though. Um, I'll get your brain all fired. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You got to read something else. Okay. So we got different recommendations. So we got recommendations from life, business, investing, just fun reads, fiction, and then writing. So let's start off with uh, books about life. What's what's your uh, what's your recommendations here? All right, I don't have the I don't have the book. We're at your house, so you got the book. So you're yeah. gonna have to like put up like a. We'll do a thing. Yeah, yeah a thing. Um, so I read a ton of books on life. These are just some of the few that are uh, recent. But I'm gonna go with here. You have it here. The number one book that changed my life. Yeah. Oh, you have a couple of them. Is where is it? This there, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one I recommended it to you. Yeah. Yes, Neville, you recommended this to me about five years ago. It's called How to Get Rich. That camera is that the camera? How to Get Rich. Um, I hate recommending this to people because the title is so bad. <laughs> but basically, the background is it's this guy named Felix Dennis. He's basically like Richard Branson meets Mick Jagger, meaning he's this very successful British entrepreneur, but he's way more vulgar than Branson. And he like has admitted that he used to smoke crack and do coke and sleep with women. And he, and, he, and he was in the rock and roll industry. Anyway, you, the average person watching will best know him as the owner of Maxin magazine, but he owned like 18 or 30 different magazines that made him worth like $800 million when he died. And he wrote this book right before he died. And he explained some of his business philosophies and he, but, and that's good. But the best part is that he's a very good writer and he's to the point, right? He's like a poet. He's a poet. He's yeah. beautiful. It's I beautiful. love this book. Here's the thing. I think most people write books because they want to make some money or make a name for themselves. And he was rich already. He was already rich. He already made a name for himself. All the money went to charity. He wrote it and he didn't, he didn't give a fuck. Like that's what I liked the best. He just didn't care. And so he's very vulgar. He starts off the book saying he spent a hundred million pounds on like drugs. <laughs> yeah. And he also, yeah. the advice that he gives is different than a lot of popular advice. Very uh, different. And, and this book was, does it say when it came out? It came out in the early 2000s. I think he yeah, died like, like a few years later. Yeah. So he really was like, you know, he's like old man, rich guy. Like, I don't care. I don't think this book could be written again today. No, I, I, and that's why and I the like way it. he wrote, wrote it. I don't know that you could do it again. Yeah. And I wish someone would, I wish there was an updated version, but it's pretty amazing. His business still exists. So that's cool. So that's my first one. Do you want to go? Yeah. Well, so, uh, I got a couple of different ones. Uh, my number one for life is a book called this is Earl Nightingale. I've talked about this for a long time. This is the guy who started off the self-help industry by accident. So he had a small little uh, radio show that he did. They turned it into a, a book and it became a bestseller, all that kind of stuff. It's discontinued from print yeah, in 1969. A, there's a problem with that book. What? If you want to buy it, how much do you have to spend? So every time I talk about it, the price goes up to about $400. 
because there's not that many prints. So I actually bought a couple up. I'm going to do a giveaway soon. I bought it before I actually released this episode because of that. So you could find this probably on the internet somewhere for free, maybe. I don't know. But uh, also I bought it for like 20 bucks and then it goes up to like 400 bucks when people do. But here's the thing. This is like my Bible. And here's the reason I tell people this. I can open it up to any different chapter. And so this one's called The Road to Peace of Mind, uh, A Conscious of Comp Competence. And you can read any different chapter and get like a little daily pick-me-up. There is like no fluff in this book at all. Zero. Yeah, and he's amazing. It's amazing. I love all his stuff. And if you want, you can look up uh, on YouTube, The Strangest Secret. Not that bullshit book, The Secret. The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Look it up. My number one recommendation for life. Anything you got? Um, that one, that Naval one. I liked that. So I'm going to combine this with two. So this is very similar. I, I just read this book called uh, Courage to be Disliked. Mm -hmm. it's, have you ever heard of that? I don't know. You're already disliked and you don't have courage. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. That's figured it out. Yeah. Uh, and basically that paired with this, there's a, th this book, the, the almanac of Naval Ravikant, there it's two parts. The first part is about money. The second part is about happiness. I didn't care about the money part. I cared about the happiness part. And basically I'm going to summarize that mm. as well as the other book, mm -hmm. basically, uh, in one sentence. All right. Life is just a time when you get uh, colors and noises into your brain and it's up to you to decide how you're going to react to that mm -hmm. and it just expounds on that and i'm like oh so like why am i assigning anger to this uh light or sound like i don't i don't have to do that you know mm. you know you think like well i lost my temper it's like well you don't actually have to lose your temper you don't have to be angry at that if you don't want to be you know you could choose how you react to certain things and that was actually important to me. So I like that book. Well, can I expound on this one? So Naval Ravikant, really smart investor guy, like tech, all that kind of stuff. I think one of the talk, things he talks about that's really caught on is leverage. And so back in the yeah. day, you had a shovel and you just shoveled one thing and that's how much you can make. Now you can write code that can run trillions of times inside of a server room. And so you can leverage your good ideas. So you actually, he wants to spend all like a whole year trying to figure out one good direction to aim and then have that executed by either code or other people. And that's kind of a really cool thing that he's come up with. That's a big thing he's known for nowadays. Cool. Um, Any other life books? Well, okay. So kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to make an audible here. So yeah. I read, I'm going to tell you four books that I've read recently. I enjoy books on suffering. Okay. Let me explain. I've been thinking a lot about this as like men who, um, are mostly, um, like, like, even if we are affluent, but even if we're just like mildly affluent, like, you know, we have a yuppie job, we sit in a cubicle or a nice office, we don't have to go and hunt for our food, we don't have, we're not gonna get drafted for war, we have really cushy lives. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that the, the depression rates and anxiety is really high. Um, whereas maybe um, if you have like a mission, like right after September 11th, or maybe World War II, or, um, uh, the Neanderthal, uh, right, like in the in the in the in the hunter and gatherer f phase, like mm. you, when you have a mission that you actually have to go out in order to survive, I think you have um, less suffering. So what I like to do is I like to read about people who just have a shit life, and I'm like, all right, things are okay. Yeah, I've got it really good. I shouldn't <laughs> complain. And so I'm gonna tell you a few books that I've read that do that. So the first is called Endurance. Have you heard of that? No. It is amazing. It's one of the few things I've ever read in one sitting. It's about, so basically then between 1900 and 1920, there was, they call it the heroic Arctic expedition 
era. Mm. And so these guys, they didn't have radios, but they did have motors. And so they were able to go from England all the way down to Antarctica, which is at the South Pole. And it's and they kind of had it mapped out, but not really. And so these guys were fucking ballsy and crazy. And I cannot believe they did this. And one of them did it with 30 men. And he gets in his ship and they get stuck. The ice traps them. They get mm. trapped there for 24 months. And eventually they like take the rowboat and they start, start walking 400 miles over Antarctica, then get the rowboat and start rowing towards Africa. And it's about their whole journey. And, and they all survived. And that was amazing because it taught me two things. One, like it could be so much worse, but even when it's really bad, you can find happiness. They were like on the verge of death. They were hungry. And they were like, but we're happy. The second thing that I learned was the reason they were happy was because the leader, he was confident. He goes, we're going to get out of this. This is going to be fine. He didn't show weakness to them, even though he was afraid. And so the feelings of the, of the group take the leader. So that was my two learnings. That book's amazing. Hmm. Um, I'll keep going really quickly. Keep going. The second one is Man's Search for Meeting. Have you heard of that? Yeah. So the story is that there's this, um, I guess you see a psychiatrist or a philosopher. I don't know what this exact terminology, a PhD student who studied... Is it philosophy? I don't know what he... What, what, I, I, I'm forgetting the author's name, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I forget what he was, but he was a PhD student, and he had a theory on suffering and why it's important and why it's good and how to solve it. Well, turns out he happens to be the subject of his, the world's greatest case study. He's a Jew in 1939, and they throw him into a concentration camp. Mm. And he's like, well, this is... I had this theory on suffering. I am now in the worst possible situation that you could ever imagine. Let's put my theory to the test. And he did. And it's called Man's Search. Victor Frankl is his name. It's called mm -hmm. Man's Search for Meaning. And he talks about um, what he notices in the concentration camp and his theory on logotherapy, which basically is defined as um, so long as your why is strong enough, you can go through any how. So you can suffer anything so long as you have a reason why you're going to do it. And so that's a great book. Um, the third one is Empire of the Summer Moon. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Um, what, do you, what do you know about I've it? I've never read it, though. Okay. So basically, do you know how, like, if I'm talking about, like, the battles between Comanche Indian or between Indians and white Americans, in your head, you imagine, like, a nice Indian and a white guy, like, uh, kicking it off its land, yeah. right? Maybe that was true in some cases. The Comanches and the Texans were wonderful. Uh, they created. They had a wonderful battle. They were for a while until they invented uh, a revolver. They were very equal and they were fucking brutal to each other. They were horrible to each other. And they. Uh, it's very fascinating about this war that the Comanches had, and it's all about the Comanches and about their tra traditions. And it's very fascinating. They're a very interesting group of people, and I found that to be amazing. Um, it's called Empire of the Summer Moon. And then finally, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Um, it's about Stoicism. And the whole concept is on uh, negative visualization. So a lot of times successful people or people who have, are aspirational, they think to themselves, you know, in 20 years, I'm going to have this Ferrari. I'm going to have this boat. I'm going to feel good, yada, yada, yada. I think you should do the opposite. You should say, my wife has cancer. I'm going to die next week in a car crash. Um, my dog just died today. And you sit there and you really believe that that's true. Like, this is my wife's last day. And then you wake up and you go, oh, that's not true. I am so grateful. It's like waking up from a bad dream and it didn't happen. Yes. And you're like, I feel great. I feel awesome. And that is negative visualization. And so I like that. So those are my life books that I've read recently that I enjoy. Interesting. All right. So you like to see that like it's... Things are, gonna, things are good compared to what they were. 
I like that. I think a lot of immigrants naturally kind of know that because they see the other side and they're like, damn, this sucks. This is my everyday life. And then they come to a place like America and they're like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. I think we constantly need to remind it because like yeah. sometimes I'll but people that grew up here sometimes don't inherently understand that. And I'll sometimes flip out. I'm like, oh, like, like, like your deck. You're like, oh, the deck. Like, you know, I wish it was just a slightly different brown. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, dude, fuck that. Uh, okay. I'm going to go through three life books real quick. So these are like in the life category. So Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, a classic. Once again, you could read this really quick. Zero fluff. You, I'm sure you've read this back in the day, right? Yeah. You want to hear a funny story about this? Do it. So the, have you heard of Gun 3 Ranker? No. Oh, Gun 3 Ranker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the so Gun 3 Ranker, it's two guys, Gun 3 and then Ranker. Yeah. They're most famous because they own a $3 billion a year business called Gun 3 Ranker. And basically what they did was they invented the, inf or helped invent the infomercial. Their mm -hmm. most famous product was Proactive. Proactive. Yeah which made billions a year mm -hmm. for a, 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 and still crushed still it. Does. They made a bunch of other things that you probably have seen. The very first product that they ever had was they bought the rights to this book. Really? Yes. Huh. And so Think and Grow Rich was mildly popular. Gunthry, one of the guys read it and he goes, this is life changing. And he yeah. bought the rights to the book and they made an infomercial for this book. And that's one of the reasons why it got so famous. That was one of the first self-help books I read like in middle school or something like that. And it was profound. I mean, yeah. it's really profound. I read it many, 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 many times. I think it's, and there are, there is a few things that you have to look out for this book. He does talk some about some weird sex stuff. Oh, right. sexual transmutation. Yeah, that's a little weird. He basically weird. talks about for guys, you don't jerk off uh, as much. <laughs> and, and, uh, Which I'm helps. on board with, actually. Yeah. But there, but if, I don't remember exactly what examples I'm thinking of, but there are some things in here where you're like, uh, that's a little... I liked that he went there. I liked that he went there. I agree. Because that, even at the time, that was some real weird stuff for the time. And I especially. believe what he did was Andrew Carnegie, who was like the Jeff Bezos of our time, he and, and this guy, Napoleon, went to Andrew and said... I want to write a book about you and other people. And he goes, great, follow me and I'll finance it. Yeah. He was so, kind of like the disciple. Yeah. And then he ended up getting really famous for it. Uh, I think he died penniless though, is, is, is the rumor. Anyhow, he was a weird book. guy. Napoleon great. Hill was, a, was a fucking weirdo. Here's a weird one. I'm just going to brief on quickly the Anthony Bourdain kitchen confidential one. I just liked it. Like I was trying to get more into cooking food. I, I cooked you dinner the other day. I was trying to get more into cooking food and I read this and it's like, he's so into it and I'll never be that into it, but I love it when people are obsessed with something like chefs back in the day were not sexy, not considered cool, but he loved that world so much. And it just exudes that he loves something so much. And I thought that was a super cool. And he's got cool. another good one. Yeah. Just came out. Uh, I haven't read that one. It's like red. Uh, I forget what it is, but yes. Yeah. And then um, I know this one's a little cheesy. The five love languages. Yeah, I mean, I read this, is, this is one of the one, like, here's the reason I write this book. I think almost most of the species in the Western world has read this book. Like everyone talks about the five love languages. They know the five love languages. Everyone that's been in a relationship. This is like such a great book. You don't Some have to analogies. read it really. You could just read a summary. You could read a summary, but like there were things in there. Like I remember thinking like a person has like a love tank that needs to be filled. And if it's not filled, then they start acting real mean. I should or, probably reread it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought this was a great book and I always reference it and other people do. And I, just a great book for life and a quick and easy read. Cool. Let's go to uh, business books. What are some of your top biz books? Dude, I don't read a lot of business books. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I've read most all these here because I've been reading for a long time. But like over the past two years, uh, maybe four years, I don't know what business book I've what read. What about like investing or anything like that? I don't read any of them. Um, well, a few, but really I don't. So let me tell you a few. Yeah. The biggest influence in my life was a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. Mm. That was the best business book I've ever read because... 
actually have that over there somewhere. It taught me, uh, yeah, you definitely do. It taught me how to persuade people. The second best business book I've ever read was mm -hmm. this one. What is this called? The Adweek uh, Copywriting Handbook. And if you want... It you used to get... be called this. Yes. So it, this is the original. And you can actually find this one. It's the, sa it's the same book. They just rebranded it. And if you look this title up on Amazon, it's like 100 or 200 or $300. Or you could find the PDF online for free. If you just do this one, it's li literally the same thing. And it's $10. Joe Sugarman. Yeah. I think this is one of the best. Um, this changed my life. I, Joe Sugarman was one of the best copywriters around. And in the 70s, a lot of copywriters were extremely scammy, very direct mail. He was actually legit. He invented a bunch of products and he's still kicking. He's still selling stuff. Yeah, he Amazing. kills it. I like him. I like that book. Advertising uh, Secrets of the Written Word or the Adweek Guide to Copywriting or Writing, whatever it's called now. Uh, other business books, investing books that you have? I got a couple over here. You go. Uh, I, so I got a couple I mean, over I read, here. So. I read, this one was pretty amazing. You read this one? Yeah. B Built to Sell. Built to Sell. Yeah, I read that one. That one was pretty cool. Um, I liked it because it was a quick story. It wasn't a how-to book. It was just a story of how an agency owner went from just like randomly getting clients and making money here and there. And then he had this like, kind of like rich dad mentor. And he process, goes on to, yeah, yeah a process of like making logos and they become known for that. And then he's able to sell the company. It's a real quick anecdotal book. I think it's like a hundred pages or so. So yeah, I think pages. business books are okay. I just prefer reading the biography of the people who I like and I, and I learn more. Well, my friend, that's where we're getting into Mr. Warren Buffett. I think if you read anything, Warren Buffett. So not necessarily these two books alone. So I actually one, have this one. The Essays of Warren Buffett. Yeah, and I could tell you a couple fun facts about that. Go ahead. So Warren Buffett is a wonderful writer. Amazing. Uh, he's an amazing writer. And if you Google Warren Buffett words per sentence Sam Parr, you'll find an article. I did an analysis of it where I analyzed the uh, shareholder letters to his uh, Berkshire Hathaway, maybe from the 60s up until... He still does them. Yeah. 2015, I think, is when I did it. Uh, so he had it had 40, 50 years. And his average word per sentence started at like 32. And every year has gotten shorter to now the average word per sentence is 19 or 17, which is which is like a nice sentence size. That's perfect. So the, what I wanted to tell people to buy, and sorry if I cut you off there, um, was actually just print out, go to BerkshireHathaway.com. It's the world's shittiest looking website. And you can find all the PDFs. Yeah, but you can buy it thing. on Amazon for 20 bucks. True. Or you can just print them out and read them right there. It's amazing to read his shareholder letters. And how yeah, simple. they're really good. Like he'll explain like the insurance company. He's like Richard Feynman, you know, the famous physicist. Yeah. He'll explain nuclear physics to like a fifth grader. It's so easy when he explains yeah, it. Similarly, Warren Buffett does that with investing. He's just like, they're, everyone's like, tech stocks are up. He's like, they're not, sometimes they go down. And then he has all these uh, great little quips. He's like, you see who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. He's yeah, all that kind that. of stuff. And here's the thing. He's some, some people are always like, oh, Warren Buffett missed crypto, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but this guy has been making good decisions for decades straight without fail. I and, did not read his biography. He, he, he doesn't really interest me as a person as that a person? much. No. Because I think that... I think that he's not, I think that we have to remember when reading biographies and is that for virtually everyone, if you are a world-class at one thing, you're probably shitty in most everything else. So he's not a great father. He's he not a great a husband. Shit dad, yeah. <laughs> a shit husband. Yeah. Um, he's not good at anything else. He's rude to people. Um, and when I read that, I'm like, well, I don't want to idolize you. Cause that's not, 
the type of character I want. So that's why I chose not to read it because I do think that sometimes when I read these things, I think, Oh, you're fucking awesome. You're rude. Like you don't pay attention to your family. Like, but don't you think you can learn from like the good side of him? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. do. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, but I'm nervous that some of the bad stuff will rub off on me. You know how they say you're the average of your friends. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the average of the people I read about too. Mm. And so, I'll be like, oh, so it's okay to be like... Well, I, I just say like, so, okay, back in the day, I did one of the best things I ever did in life was I went through a day trading phase in college. Fortunately, in college, you had a business in college too. So we had a little bit of extra money and I had a little bit of extra money in my pocket. I could put a couple thousand dollars in a trading account before it was like Robin Hoodized. And I started trading and every day it would go up like 1%, 2% or go down 3%. And I would freak out. I'm like, oh my God, I lost money, blah, blah, blah. And then I started reading Warren Buffett and he's like, I don't care what the stock price is. Unless I'm selling it or buying it right now, what difference does it make? And he started talking about long-term fundamentals and how like in the long run, he gives a million examples that if you just wait for the long run, the Mr. Market like equals out. And so that was my biggest takeaway from Warren Buffett. And I stopped day trading because I was like, the money I held in just long-term trades, which I knew were gonna do well, did so much better. The capital gains was not even there and less stressful. I didn't do anything. You make one trade, you don't touch it for years. And then at the end, it's awesome. Whereas day trading, it's like, is it up? Is it down? You know, is Twitter gonna be mad about this? And then I have to guess, it's like a whole bunch of stuff. I was so glad I went through a day trading phase and then got out of it because of Warren Buffett. So I would consume a lot of Sawati stuff. Honestly, you can watch a lot of YouTube videos about him and kind of pick up the same uh, The HBO thing's pretty good too. I never saw that. When are you gonna talk about this? Okay, so this is the fun reads. So this is just to analyze how to do writing. So there's a, there's a guy named Neil Strauss, uh, the game Motley Crue. You know Neil Strauss, of course, yeah. right? He's got like 10 bestsellers. He's got one about Marilyn Manson, Jenna Jameson, porn stars, uh, how to escape the country and like all sorts of crazy stuff. This guy, in my opinion, is one of the best writers of our generation. I mean- He's amazing. His numbers show it. He's just an amazing writer. This is a book about Motley Crue, the famous rock and roll band. And I don't think things like this can exist in the world anymore, like with social media. Like there's just not going to be people like this any as much anymore. This is some of the craziest stories I've ever read. I was howling laughing. I would have to like put it down at night and be like, damn it, I wanna keep reading. And it just like stay up to like four in the morning reading it. The book, The Game. Uh, this so is a I controversial book. 14 or 15 when that came out, it changed my life. How so? So explain what it is first. The book, The Game, is about how to pick up chicks. And he infiltrates this group of, uh, I guess, pickup artists back in the early day when it's like real CD industry. And he learns how to pick up women and they rent a big house in Hollywood and they start, they just go out every night and pick up women. For every young guy that's like not really good looking and naturally charming, they should read that. Um, because like the agony of not being able to talk to girls, like it sucks and that helps. So I, I, I have been with the same woman now for eight years. We were married and she's like in very alpha, uh, like type A, Ivy League, smart, amazing girl. I met her because I used some of those techniques. Yeah. And like some of them are like seedy, but it's one of those things where it's like you could pick the good and you could pick the good. Like when I met Sarah, I immediately like caught her attention by telling a joke. And then I made sure that I didn't come off needy. Like these are all like things that like any grown man who has like had a relationship, they understand. But when you're 16 and you don't have a big brother, be like, no, dude, you can't come off needy. You got to stick out. Are you, have you ever, do you notice that a lot of women have read this book too? Well, it's fun to read. It's a great, just he's Neil Strauss, whatever he writes, just amazing. But like, this was one of his first, I think, breakout books. Um, amazing read if you just want to study writing and it's awesome. All right, so let me name a few. Okay, Go one that it. I'm reading now that I'm halfway done. 
Um, the rise of Teddy Roosevelt. Do you know anything about know anything about Teddy Roosevelt? I love Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, so let me give. I'm I'm halfway through, so I, I can't tell you everything about him. But he was born in a wealthy family. Um, he, his dad died, and he was given like a million dollars, the equivalent of a million dollars. So rich, um, but like uh, I, I don't think he was like billionaire rich. But he liked to box, so he would box every day. Mm-hmm. He uh, um, went to the Dakotas, which at the time was considered like, I actually was not even, I don't even think that was part of America. And he would go hunt and like live out in the wilderness. And he eventually had this book that he wrote. He was prolific. So he did all, these, he did all this active stuff. Mm-hmm. But then also he wrote a book on zoology when he was in his teens that was considered to be very, very, very good. So he would mm-hmm. find dead birds and kill birds and dissect them and, and explain, well, like, I don't know how it works, but explain like, you know, what, where he thinks they came from and what they look like. And then he um, eventually wrote a book on the Spanish-American War when he was 22. And this book to this day is part of the curriculum because at the time it like it was well it was regarded as an expert like it was an expert book and he would so he was like fighting man he was an outdoorsman he wrote books like crazy they say that he held, he holds the world record for shaking the most amount of hands in one day 9000 <laughs> so very well-rounded man incredibly interesting very positive his wife and his wife gave birth to the daughter and the wife and his own mother, who lived in the same home, died on the same day. Oh. And so he had a tragedy. He's a very interesting person. Huh. And, and then finally, my last biography to recommend is the biography of John Rockefeller. He's the most perfect human being I have re- ever read about. John Rockefeller? Yeah. Is he like known for like being horrible? And like the whole deal is that he paid a bunch of money to kind of like, like he did reputation.com of like 1930s. I said he was the most perfect. So here's the deal. John Rockefeller... He was Baptist, and so he believed that it wasn't right to lie. And he goes, "Well, you know, I guess I don't know much about baptism, but uh, Baptist. But for some reasons, like if you're good at something, you got to go all in on it." And he was like, at a young age, he goes, "I'm great at making money, so it's my duty to God to make a lot of money and then give it away." And so he started. Uh, in, in, when he was 22, he was like, "I think this oil thing's going to be huge," and so he goes. And in order for it to be big, I have to own the whole industry because then I can keep it really cheap. I can I can make sure that the product is really high quality. And that's why he called it standard oil. He goes, we're going to buy everyone out. I'm going to borrow as much money as I can. We're going to buy everyone out. And it's, it's going to be the standard oil. And we're going to make it really cheap so everyone can have it. And so most people, everyone really basically says monopolies are bad. In his mind, he was a, he was a, a dictator, but a benevolent dictator. He was like, but we're going to treat people right. But we are going to be a, monopul- a monopoly. And he actually did that. So at one point, he owned 80% of the American oil supply, the product was good and it was very cheap. But then Teddy Roosevelt broke it up and it goes, you can't be a um, monopoly anymore. And during that point, that trial, that's the first time and only time I believe Rockefeller ever lied. So he lied about not knowing about some pact a bunch of his companies had with one another. And so he did lie about that. But he was a ruthless businessman, but he was very ethical, but he was ruthless. And when these companies broke up, a few of the, that exist nowadays are Exxon, BP, Conoco, uh, Saudi Arabia, Aramco. 
largest oil company on the planet. And then that came from Standard Oil. Yeah. That Those was are 1920s, all. That was that, Standard so that's oil. just how big this thing is. And so he's very big, but he never cheated on his wife. He was a wonderful father. He put a lot of pressure on his kids. Uh, uh, I, I read the other side of Rockefeller. I must have read a different book also. John Rockefeller never cheated on his wife. I thought he was like a big philanderer towards the end. His wife, his wife was dead. dead. Okay. His wife was okay. dead. His <laughs> wife died. And I don't know if he was having sex, but I think like he would like pinch. He was like a creepy grandpa. Yeah. Like he would pinch girls, butt. so I think he was creepy. I would say that's still almost on the correct side of ethical, but yeah, you could say, <laughs> you could say, yeah, that's wrong. But like, that's the worst. John Rockefeller recommends the game. Yeah. So those are my books. <laughs> cool. Uh, I got a couple, I got a couple biographies. I love, uh, so man, there's so many. Cause I love a lot. I like, I, I read a biography of like Jackie Chan, Jay Leno, all these people. I love biographies, autobiographies. Sam Walton was one of the first I read. I read this one a couple times. It's amazing. I love Sam Walton owner of Walmart. So uh, Walmart was definitely like the Amazon of its time. It's still a behemoth today. And it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of things about Walmart that people didn't know. Multi like uh, standardizing things. If you wanted to go buy meat, a sponge, and also a, a vacuum in one day, you just couldn't do it. You had to go to different places. People couldn't travel as well back in the day. You stop one stop at Walmart, you get everything you need. It was a huge and boom to families. at a lot of those stores, you'd have to wait for someone to come and help you and grab all the crap for you. Yeah. Over here, you just walk around with a cart and get it all for you. The other thing he did, what people don't know, uh, the largest private plane fleet in the world is still owned by Walmart. So they have stores in weird bumfuck places, and it's very difficult to get like, a flight from there. So the, many of their top people ride in very small private jets or uh, prop planes, and they go around the country, and they pioneered that. So he used to fly around in a plane and look at land. So early yeah. Google Maps and be like, whoa, there's two highways that intersect right there. And there's like a big farm. Let's just buy And he was pretty ruthless. He would go in his competitor stores and just copy everything that they did that he yeah. thought was good. So it's supposed to be called Walton Mart, but he was such a cheap ass. He's a notorious cheap ass. He called it Walmart to save on the sign. <laughs> That's smart. And then he, yeah. um, there's another book called Insane We Trust, I believe, which is his biography. That's his autobiography, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I read both of them. They're wonderful. Amazing story. And a lot of people hate on Walmart, and I understand they're hating on it for the same reason as Standard Oil, big business. It represents like, you know, shutting down some mom and pop stores. He was a good guy, though. He was a good guy. And also, it could also be argued from the other side that Walmart has done more for the average middle class family than pretty much anyone in history. And his intentions were good. He he wasn't a liar. He, uh, uh, he, when I read about him, I was like, oh, this guy, he's an art. Because I was the same way. I'm like, oh, Walmart, that's dirty. That's, I don't, that's grimy. I don't like Walmart. No, he was a good dude. This guy was all right. He was good. I learned a lot. I also kind of, it's like, it's kind of like you learn a lot about the history of America. It makes you like, like kind of proud to be an American. Like yeah. read stuff like this. The other thing is I freaking love Steve Jobs. Um, I don't cry that often, but I cried the day that uh, Steve Jobs died. I, I actually really did. It's not even a joke. I, I was very sad. I was just like, I think humanity is like going to go slower now. And like, I think there's been people such as Elon Musk who've kind of, picked up the void of what Steve Jobs represented. But I just remember thinking like, this was a human that was a devastating loss. I think that the Steve Jobs biography is amazing. The Elon Musk book, Elon Musk book is only okay. Well, it's only halfway through a story. That's true. Like imagine this book was only published a few years ago and doesn't have all the other stuff. He's I done. think Steve Jobs book was hard to put down because Steve Jobs as a character is more likable than Musk. Although I'm neither, I dislike Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, but I loved reading about them. And I think, and I'm so happy that, that they exist. And this book by Walter Isaacson, he also, Walter Isaacson also wrote the biography of Ben Franklin. Uh-oh, I'll go get that. Is that yours? Yeah. And I think... Uh, ben Franklin right there. Yes. Right but I think show. it's not nearly as good as that. I'll be right back. Interesting. I, oh, that's Leonardo da Vinci. My bad. 
Well, Sam is turning off his duck thing. Hey, buddy. So uh, the Steve Jobs book, I truly love this. And I've read every book on Steve Jobs. There's one called uh, Return to the Little Kingdom. That's another one. I've also bought all these quotes of Steve Jobs. He was one of those people that was just so damn logical. He, he could explain things very simply. I love listening to him talk. Um, and also you just see it through the reflection of his products. And this book is actually good. This is written by a guy named Michael Morowitz. Michael Return Morowitz. Return to the Little Kingdom by Steve Jobs. Yeah. Michael Morowitz is actually um, one of the richest men in the world right now. And he helped start a fund called Sequoia. And he started... That's who wrote that? Yeah. And he started it because he uh, uh, became friends. He was a journalist and became friends with Steve Jobs and started investing. Cool. Um, I'm going to go... Do you do, do fiction books at all? Ever? Yeah. my The most recent one I read was by... Uh, What's the famous American author? John Steinberg. Is his name John Steinberg? Mm. What am I blanking on? It's called Travels Through America with Charlie. Basically, this guy, um, he wrote Grapes of Wrath. Oh. Steinberg. But what's his fucking... E.B. Du Bois? I don't know. No. It, it's, I think it's John <laughs> John Steinbeck. Duh. Yeah. Ah. John Steinbeck. And so basically, he, um, it's, a, it's a really good book. It's supposed to be a memoir, but it's also a little bit of fiction of him driving his art. Basically, he was born in the early 1900s. He wrote this amazing American classics about middle America. Mm-hmm. He's now rich and in his 60s and living in the Hamptons. And he goes, what the fuck? I'm so out of touch. And so he drives around America with his RV trying to understand the average American in the 1960s. Ah, interesting. Um, I love hard science fiction. So I don't, I don't think you're into this kind of stuff, right? No. Yeah, I like stuff where it's just like the physics and engineering are real, but the story is fake. So I don't have it here because I rent out The Martian and another one by uh, Andy Weir, uh, Project Hail Mary. Oh, Everyone's actually, talking your, your about wife it. is reading it right now, I think, right? Everyone's talking about it. God, it is so good. So obviously The Martian is a fake story. No one's been to Mars yet. However, the physics and everything behind it are real. So similarly, Project Hail Mary, I won't spoil it for you, but it's kind of a science fiction novel. Very, very engineering and science heavy. So if you don't like that, you won't do it. This was a random book. I don't even know if you could find this on Amazon. It's called Seed. My brother got it for me for Christmas because he knows I like hard fiction. And uh, it's just this unknown author called Matthew G. Dick which sounds like a fake name, but <laughs> um, Seed. I thought this was a great one. So I love like a science engineering one. You don't, do you read like Harry Potter and stuff? No. I can't get into wizards. Yeah, I'm not into that stuff Dragons for some reason. Crap. No, I don't do any. The only fiction I'll do is like, I did Fight Club because I like the movie. What else? No, I don't really do. Catcher in the Rye. I do like American classics just mm. because it's more like, it's almost at that point, that's like historical for me. It's like. Uh, cool. So let's get to the, the last one. Writing books. Uh, have you read any of these? So obviously, I'd read Copywriting Handbook. So you love that. I've read all of them. I would say my favorite writing book is On Writing by Stephen King. Ah, I got that here too. The second half of it. The second. Why is the second half better? The first half about is about his life. The second half is about writing. Ah, got it. Um, what about this one? Ogilvy on advertising. Freaking classic. I just recorded another video about this, but this is such a good book. And I still think, think to this day, there's probably no better book about marketing that has ever So I agree that that's wonderful. But his other book called Confessions of an Ad Man. Right there. I think yeah. is even better. Uh, but that's the business side of it, right? Yes. But if you read his writing and how he talks about stuff, I like if I, I, like, I want to copy Ogilvy, I'm going to read that book and see how he writes and copy him. Yeah, we just literally did another book, a video about that book. So, but I think Ogilvy on advertising, if you are in marketing or writing or business, you should just have this book ready. And if you ever want some ideas, just flip through it. The other one is, uh, this is a kind of a, this is like a businessy, but I consider it a writing book. Yeah, it's Jay amazing. Abraham, you know, Jay Abraham. 
Yeah. Jabraham's a boss and he's written like 20 something books. I think this is the one you need to get though. Getting everything you can out of all you've got. True story. I've left this book inside airplanes at least twice. This is probably my third copy because I would bring it in my bag everywhere I go. And whenever I just had some free time, I'd go through it and always get a business idea of some sort. Yeah, he's amazing. Such a good book. And he's not it's that not, popular anymore. Uh, I don't know. I think still things pretty popular. Anyways, this is a great, great, great. One of my top three of all time. And then uh, the Boron Letters. Gary Halbert wrote these from jail to his son. You read them, right? Yeah. So he was a copywriter who was amazing and he was so good that he tricked people into buying stuff and he never fulfilled the orders and he got arrested. Yep. He went to jail for mail fraud. He is a weird character. Very weird. I've also heard from people who know him. I don't want to like, you know, talk bad about the dead or anything. I've talked to a lot of people who knew him and he was, he had some demons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, I think an alcoholic and I think uh, he stole a lot and he was a gambler. I think he was fucked up in a variety of different ways. The greatest guy in the world, but, uh, but he wrote the lessons are amazing. And he's a good writer. And the, the way that he gets you hooked on pages um and especially back in the day he would like get to the bottom of the page and have like a big secret that would come on the next page so when you're reading this listen to what he says but also watch how he writes i think that's the main thing it's also free online it's free online you can also get the handwritten versions so actually bond halbert his son sent me an original copy of like his uh, the copies of his uh writing and uh like me he had horrible handwriting you can't even read it so you might want to buy the book or print them out for free online. that's good cool so that's a bunch of cool books thanks man appreciate it I think we went fun. through a lot. Yeah, I think we, we went through life, business, investing, fun, biographies, fiction, writing. And this is on YouTube? This will be on YouTube. Hope Comment you in below who had the better recommendations and it, how, which of these are you're, you're actually going to read. Or any good books you think we might like based on these. I am looking for some cool hard science fiction books to continue reading. I can't find any more. And I also want a really good biography. Uh, that'd be awesome. I kind of like older books also, right? Because I feel like the the older books, like there's a lot of crappy older books, but then the good ones kind of rise to the top. Yeah. And I'm interested in uh, suffering. Anything about America sense. from 1880 to 1930. And I like American Ooh. Indian books. Do I have right here? Biography of Henry Ford. I read that one recently. I started reading that a little bit. Dude, he hated Jews a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He was very anti-Semitic. I started reading about him and I was like, oh my God, he was not a fan of the Jews. Did yeah. you know that? Yes. But, but, but okay, here's one of the reasons I love reading those old books. One, when they talk about politics, it sounds exactly like today. People think that like, oh, the, the country's divided. It's always been that way. It's literally been like that since day one. Dude, he had this book. I forget what it's called. It could be called like America's Problem or something like that. And it's about Jews. Oh. He's like wrote a book like he so he kind of ruined it a little bit for me. I recently read the biography of uh, the Wright brothers. They're amazing. They were great people. They were perfect. They never no Jew did. hating. What? No Jew hating. They did not hate the Jews. They were, <laughs> they were lovely to everyone. They were very lovely to black people, to white people, to women. They were they were a lovely group of people. And then so I used to idolize Henry Ford. And then I started learning. I'm like, oh, he did not like certain groups of people. You, it's interesting, I've noticed. You actually look at the person kind of like as a whole. I kind of look at him for their narrow range of things I expect. Like, the, so Snowball by Warren Buffett, it's actually a lot about his private life and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, I wasn't super interested in like the entire backstory. I just wanted to know more about his investment. I just think, yeah, what I try to pick and choose who I'm going to be inspired by. 
But then also, don't you like seeing the pitfalls? Like for example, yeah, I love that. He he reads. He's notorious for reading a bunch of like the the documents, but he'll do it all day. So his son was giving an interview in this, and he'd be like, "Yeah, Dad would come home, go up to a study, and just read the whole day, and like wouldn't wouldn't eat dinner with us, wouldn't do anything. Like you didn't even know he's there." And I was like, "Okay, I don't want to do that with a future family." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think bad. it's a good way of how not to live. Yeah, so it's helpful. Cool. Books are awesome. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it.